This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Do you know the difference between warp drive and impulse power? Do you have an opinion over which design of the USS Enterprise was the best? Do you remember when Klingons didn't have ridges on their foreheads? If you answered yes to those questions, then chances are you're a Star Trek fan. I would like to invite you to listen to my new podcast, The Prime Direction. For 50 years, Star Trek has been affecting people from all walks of life, teaching life lessons and changing the lives of people all over the world. The Prime Direction is the story of those fans. On every episode, I'll sit down with a lifelong fan of Star Trek and trace their fandom back to the very beginning. We'll talk about their favorite characters, the toys they played with, and what their favorite series is. But more importantly, we'll talk about how the show has made their life better. So join me on The Prime Direction on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as our website at CosmicPotato.com. And if you'd like to be on the show, just send me an email at mail at CosmicPotato.com, and we'll arrange a time for you to tell me about your Prime Direction. somebody's favorite radio program coming to you from the great state of alabama and from points located all across the u.s eastern seaboard it's cosmic potato the super fan talk podcast you can find us at cosmicpotato.com and subscribe to us on itunes and stitcher now, situated in a small corner in Birmingham, Alabama, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew, here is your host, Sean Ray. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean and sitting across the virtual table from me is Rick. How are you, Rick? I am really fantastic. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing awesome. This is, uh, I guess, part two of our, I don't know how many part series that we're going to do of uh, Saturday morning cartoons. Last time we talked about cartoons from the 80s and the 90s. This episode we're going to talk about all the stuff that we love well, not all the stuff that we love, but a lot of the things that we love from the 60s and the 70s. I have to admit that I was born in 1977, so most of the stuff that I talk about, I didn't actually see when it was on. I watched it mostly on, uh, you know, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, After School, they rerun a lot of this kind of stuff. So, Rick, you, you saw more of this stuff uh, when it was actually on the air. Yes, I did. Okay. Although I didn't. You know, it's funny when I was looking this up and looking at the the years on some of these shows I'm going to bring up. I didn't realize that I was watching them as they were being aired for the first time, because you know back then there was really no distinction unless you were old enough to know between reruns and uh, original stuff. Because you know, I, pretty much what you saw on Saturday mornings were were first run. Yeah, but. The, the distinction between Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning or, you know, weekdays after you got home from school, it all kind of blurs in your memory. Yeah, because when I went back and I just pulled up, you know, 60s and 70s cartoons and I would pull up things that I remember watching, like, while I was getting ready for school in the morning and I didn't know at the time that it wasn't new. And uh, I, I look back now putting together my notes and I'm like, 
that show was made in 1963, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wasn't born for, you know, 15 years after that, and, and I remember watching it when I was probably five, six years old, you know? But um, Now, before we start getting into uh, actual shows, I want to ask you something. Okay. Because there was something that I always looked forward to uh, when I was a kid uh, that I don't know if they still did it when you were younger. Every September, when the new shows were being they were going to bring out all the new shows. The net, the networks would all have like their big Saturday morning cartoon preview show. Oh yeah. Yeah. They did that in the eighties too. I don't know when, when it was that they actually stopped it, but yeah, I remember watching those. Okay. Cause there was, there was one that stands out in my memory and I looked it up and while I, I found the date of it, it was 1974. Uh, I couldn't find any actual clips of it. And that that really bummed me out. But I remember that the 1974, it was uh, ABC's Funshine Saturday preview. Um, (laughs) And, you know, these were these were shown in prime time. So it was like, oh, my goodness, I get to see all of my my Saturday morning cartoons being, you know, previewed at at seven o'clock and, you know, after dinner or whatever. Um, But it was hosted by Lee Majors, (laughs) who is, you know, played the six million dollar man. And that was. Second only to Star Trek as my favorite show. Uh, you know, it's funny. In, when I was a kid, my my holy trinity were, was Jim Kirk, James West, and Colonel Steve Austin. Uh, so, <laughs> I I would imagine two of those names mean something to you. You may oh, not yeah, know yeah. who Jim West was. Uh, yeah, from uh, Wild Wild West. Yes, right. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Not that movie. <laughs> yeah, I never saw the show, but I, I I know I know of the show. I did see the movie, but I I, I, I so know sorry. of its existence. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching those uh, preview shows. They usually came on the Friday before the first Saturday of the new season, yeah. and uh, there was the I don't know how they did the ones in the seventies, but in the eighties, it was usually done with the cast of some popular sitcom at the time. I remember Perfect Strangers doing one one time. And it was basically Larry and Balky were sitting down on the couch and watching their favorite Saturday morning cartoons, and you know it was all the all the new stuff, and and then I think they did one with the cast of Saved by the Bell one year, you know that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it was it was always hosted by the flavor of the month or the year or whatever. Uh, yeah, the, the various various and sundry uh, ways to couch it all together. Um, yeah. I w- I just I remember I don't remember a lot of details of the actual shows. I just remember getting so excited when the shows were getting when, when yeah. they were announced. So do you, shall I lead? Yeah, go ahead. Your okay. first pick. I- I'm going to go in chronological order. Okay. Of release of release date. Uh, and so this puts one of my all time favorite shows. Uh, and in fact, I own my my wonderful wife gave me the the entirety of it. For my birthday one year started in 1964 i was born in 64 so i doubt i was watching it in its first run but it was on for a long time afterwards johnny quest johnny quest was uh, well first of all as a young blonde boy johnny johnny quest really spoke to me <laughs> um if you're not familiar with johnny quest johnny quest uh was a science fiction show cartoon Filmation, so you get that wonderful animation style of there. Right. <laughs> Filmation's going to show up a lot in my list. Um, it was about a young boy named Johnny Quest who was the son of one of the world's greatest scientists, Dr. Benton, Benton Quest. Uh, and his friend Haji, who was an incredibly horrible racial stereotypically Indian boy who could do magic tricks with ropes, 
<laughs> and wore a turban. Uh, you know, going back and looking at some of this stuff, we were not very racially sensitive in the 60s no, and no, 70s. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I think we just need to establish that right away. Um, their dog bandit, who was a little bulldog who had, like, black around his eyes, so they called him bandit, and he was constantly barking. Uh, and race... Sounds like my dog. <laughs> And Dr. Quest's manservant slash bodyguard slash we won't talk about what they do, <laughs> what they really were, because there was no mom in, around, uh, Race Bannon. In fact, uh, Race Bannon was this big, uh, hulking, kind of Peter Graves-looking guy who was the boy's bodyguard. And, and uh, I have a, a dear friend who told me one time that he knew he was gay when he realized he had a crush on Race Bannon. <laughs> Uh, so there, there's definitely, if you want to look for it, some undertones there. But we've all had ca cartoon characters that made us feel kind of strange when we were growing up. <laughs> oh, so. oh yeah, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats, anyone? Um, <laughs> Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> um, but Johnny and Haji were always getting into trouble, and the trouble they were getting into was with mummies and giant Komodo dragons and uh, robots and, and it, it was all very it was very dark yeah um, their their chief antagonist was an incredibly horrible racial stereotype as well uh, the evil Chinese scientist Dr. Zin uh, <laughs> and they were you know they were constantly going all over the world and insulting cultures everywhere but uh, but the the show, the thing that always stuck with me, and I, you know, I'm I'm I think I may be overstating the racial insensitivity. It was just that, uh, you know, they they gave the show an international flair, and I, and so they they were always traveling to other countries, and if you're going to have conflict in another country, the other country's people have to be the bad guys. Yeah, uh, it's just that it was very you know like today James Bond and the Avengers and. Iron Man and stuff, they're always fighting uh, Arabic terrorists and stuff because that's the bad guy of the day. Yeah, and the uh, 80s had the Russians. You know. Exactly. And they were, and Johnny Quest was always fighting the Russians or the Red Chinese or, or occasionally they would go into Arabic countries. Um, but they also had sympathetic people from, from those races too. So it wasn't, it wasn't as bad, I think, as I'm making it out to seem. Uh, especially for the time. For the time, I think it was a lot better than some things. Yeah. Um, but the thing that always impressed me about Johnny Quest, and we sort of touched on this on our 70, or, uh, 80s and 90s show, is that the violence, and it was a very violent cartoon, uh, people died in Johnny Quest, which, you know, once you get into the 80s, never have a character right. die on a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, but the thing is, for all the violence, it was showing that if you shoot somebody, they will bleed. They will fall down. They will die. If you jump a speedboat 20 feet into the air and land on top of a boat full of bad guy frogmen, you're going to kill them. <laughs> uh, so I grew up, and my, my, I hate to sound like this, but, you know, kids my age, people my age that grew up watching these shows learned that violence had consequence. Right. And I think that we were better prepared to not do it because we would we knew that guns caused pain, that guns caused dead, and that dead was forever. 
Johnny Quest uh, never shied away from showing the consequences of what happens when you release a giant spider into a <laughs> into a village, <laughs> yeah. you know, or sick a bunch of Komodo dragons on somebody. Um, and that was something that even now, I, it's 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 a little dated. It's a little hard to watch. I've tried to show it to my my daughter. She's still a little young for it. Um, but I like to watch it and. While yes, there are some aspects of it that are that are a little hard to watch with modern sensibilities, the the messages behind it are still sound. Uh, friendship, uh, not panicking, uh, telling the truth, you know, stuff like that. Uh, there were a lot of really good messages in it, and I just I really love Johnny Quest, and I think I, I've tried to watch some of the the revivals of it over the years. Um, in the '90s, there was a there was a, a an attempt to to do Johnny Quest again, and they added some extra characters. They brought in some some girls, which was fine because there were there were no female characters in in the original show. Yeah. Uh, but they also kind of drifted away from reality, and that was something that I always liked about Johnny Quest. There was there, I mean, yes, there were times where they were fighting mummies and and robots that couldn't possibly exist and gargoyles and things like that. But there was it was always a very grounded show. Uh, no matter how fantastical it got, and I think they lost that when they tried to remake it. I'm surprised that they haven't tried to make a movie of it. That's another one truth. I hear rumors about. Every yeah. year, someone says they're going to make a Johnny Quest movie, and then it never happens. Yeah, and I, I think that when they, because it's inevitable that they will. You know, I, I think all of these properties will be films eventually, but um, I think that when they get around to actually doing it, it would serve them better to make a animated movie than to do try to do live action in my opinion i i think that, that would make make it a better movie it would be a little more nostalgic to go back and watch it as a cartoon because if you take some of those storylines and you just turn them into live action they're just going to look like a hundred other movies that have been out there you know? yeah yeah that that's the problem with a with a property that's so old is it's been copied so many times yeah that it now by itself seems trite even though it kind of started it yeah <laughs> Yeah, I hate when I'm when I, when you're watching a a modern reboot of something, and somebody says, "Oh, there, this is a copy of this other <laughs> yeah. thing or this other thing." I'm like, "No, this is the original version of that." You know, mm-hmm. this is where they got that from. You know, but and I wanted to I wanted to mention something when when you were talking about most of your picks being from filmation, filmation. This is my opinion here. I think Filmation kind of invented Saturday morning cartoons. I won't because, that. Yeah, be, because before that, most of what you had was shorts that would come out in like movie theaters like you know, Bugs Bunny cartoons and things like that. And then there would be some stuff that was made for TV, but it would be like short little cartoons because they were st- the animation style was still where they had to draw each individual picture. It was good animation. <laughs> yeah, right. Filmation kind of came along and did this thing where they said, you know, we can really make this 30-minute cartoon and only use so many drawings because all we have to change is the position of their mouth or the position of their arms, you know. So you see a lot of stuff like a character sitting at a computer and they're being perfectly still, but their arms are just flying all over the computer. (laughs) That kind of thing, which was fine for just telling a story to little kids. You know, you're going back and, and comparing it with some of the stuff that we've got now. It's not really a fair comparison anyway, (laughs) Yeah. but, 
Uh, let's see, let me do my first pick, and I'm gonna go with Super Friends. Okay. So Super Friends was the earliest version of the Justice League that I know of on a on a cartoon show or on a TV show. It was very uh, kid friendly. Pretty much a product of the comics from the time, especially for DC. You know, they were a little more kid-oriented than they are now. Um, the first few seasons featured Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Batman and Robin. And all of those characters had already had their own series. So a lot of those original voices were coming back. And it was kind of like a reunion type show. They also had Wendy and Marvin and Wonder... I think it was... Was it Wonder, Wonder Dog? Dog? Yeah. Yeah. And every cartoon seemed every cartoon seemed to have a dog back then. You know, you had Scooby and Astro on the Jetsons, and then, then you had Wonder Dog. But um, Blue Falcon and Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Later in the series, they replaced uh, Wendy and Marvin and Wonder Dog with the Wonder Twins and their monkey named Gleek. Yeah. Yeah, and they brought Green Lantern in, Flash, oh, Hawkman, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> but like I said, I was born in '77. The the Super Friends, I think, started in 73, 74, but it lasted until 86, so I was very much aware of cartoons and watching it in the last uh, couple of seasons that it that it was on. Um, going back and watching it, uh, watching clips on YouTube now and stuff is cheesy. It's really cheesy, <laughs> you know, but for a kid uh, back then, it was just you know it's fantastic to see all those different superheroes together on the same show and um they did (laughs) they did an episode of scooby-doo where batman and robin met scooby-doo and (laughs) scooby-doo and gang and casey Kasem did the voice of shaggy and the voice of robin robin (laughs) so in this episode you had you know if you had robin and shaggy talking to each other it's just casey Kasem sitting there talking to himself you know it's pretty funny (laughs) But uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you did you watch Super Friends when oh, it was yeah. on. Oh yeah. yeah, you know what I didn't realize until a few months ago, or maybe it was like it doesn't matter how long ago. Um, I just on a whim one night was surfing through YouTube and decided to look up uh, cartoon theme songs, theme uh, opening themes, you know, whatever. And I found one. It was like this 40 minute mix of just going in chronological order from like the 50s up through the the 80s. Yeah. I had no idea how many different versions of the Super Friends there were. Yeah, I think they changed it every year. <laughs> yeah, there, well, there was like five or six all the way up through, uh, you know, the mid-80s or whatever. The one thing that was a through line, though, is uh, remember Ted Knight from the Mary Tyler Moore show? Yeah. He played Ted Baxter. He was the announcer. He, oh. he was the, the voice of, you know. Meanwhile, meanwhile at the Hall of Justice. Justice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I saw, I, do you know who Frank Caliendo is? Yes. He's a, a, a comedian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw a routine that he was doing. He was doing an imitation of that voice, and he was making the joke that Aquaman never really had anything to do. <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless they were going to the ocean, you know. He So he would say, Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, Aquaman is having a tuna sandwich. <laughs> or something like that, you know. <laughs> or... I guess he'd be having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He wouldn't eat tuna, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I used to love watching the Super Friends. You know, there were some that I just didn't get. Apache Chief, uh, yeah, <laughs> was, uh, okay. Um, you know, mostly you tuned in for Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, and Superman, and uh, and and anyone else was kind of like 
all right. The Wonder Twins were fun. The Wonder Twins have been fodder for comedians forever. And who <laughs> of us out there hasn't gone, Wonder Twin powers activate at some point or another? Yeah. Um, there's a um, there's a, a little short cartoon on YouTube that's a little three or four minute parody of the Wonder Twins. And the premise is that there's some kid that got got attacked by a bear. This bear is keeping him trapped in a cave. The Wonder Twins show up, and one of them turns into a one of them turns into a beaver, and like digs a little hole around the bear, and the other one turns into water and fills in the little trench that's about an inch deep. Well, the bear just steps over the water and then goes and kills the the kid, and then, <laughs> and then they show the Wonder Twins at the kid's funeral, and the mom comes up to him and says. You could have turned into another animal and fought the bear, or you could have turned into a cage or something and 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 trapped him. But no, you just turned into an inch of water, and then she like slapped both of them and walked off. <laughs> I think there's a whole series of them on YouTube. It was pretty funny. Now I think I saw are the are, have the have the Wonder Twins been brought into the comics and tried to made be made legitimate heroes? Yeah, I think so. I I don't read the comics anymore. But I do think that they're in there. I know that they brought them into uh, Smallville when Smallville was on. So they must oh, be really? in the comics if they did that. Yeah, they did. I don't know that they actually ever called them Wonder Twins, but it was a guy and a girl and they, and whatever the names were. That was their names. And actually, Jan the, and Jaina. Yeah, that was their names. And the girl, uh, she pulled out her phone at one point in the show, and her phone case had a picture of Gleek the monkey on the back of it he wasn't there you know but he wasn't part of the show but but they put him on the on the phone case but yeah they did bring him in bring them into smallville for one episode there there are times i wish that smallville had interested me but i waned on it back i went back and forth i really loved it when it first started kind of fell out of love with it and came back and the the only thing that really ticked me off about smallville was what they did with doomsday for one thing because they kind of made him into a man that was sort of like a werewolf that would turn into Doomsday, you know, and and then they and then the fact that the very last episode you never get to see him become Superman. You just see him open up his shirt and to see the Superman symbol, and then he that's the end of the series, you know. And that's what that's why I didn't watch it. Superman without being Superman, I Clark Kent doesn't interest me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, go ahead with your next pick. Okay, speaking of Clark Kent, <laughs> my <laughs> next show is 1966's The Adventures of Superman. Now, this was my Superman. This was the Superman who could punch the crap out of bad guys. Yeah. Uh, this was, and again, this is one of those things that uh, fairly recently I went looking for uh, on YouTube. Uh and found that it was essentially a cartoon version of the George Reeves uh, TV show, the old The Adventures of Superman. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the opening, you know, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. That's straight out of the George Reeves Superman, but yeah. they do it in the cartoon. Uh, and it's... It's very much the comic book Superman that I, I read as a kid. You know, Lois Lane is the, the kind of busybody, get captured every week. Uh, Superman is, you know, built like He-Man, only stronger. Jimmy Olsen is a whiny kid. Uh, but 
I I just I loved that show. Uh, I I've tried watching what's on YouTube, and uh, I mean it's 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 not great, but for you know a f- three, four, five year old kid, however old I was, uh, oh yeah, I loved it. Well, that's who it's made for, yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> you go and back and watch is, it now. You know, it's cheesy. The classic. Yeah. This looks like a job for Superman. You know right. that that kind of declamatory acting it was just right there in your face yeah uh and i loved it yeah i think that that's i don't remember the name of the guy that did the voice in that but i think that was uh the version of superman that they put into super friends i think it like i said before all those characters Mm -hmm. had their own show at one time and like you were saying it was a it was a cartoon version of the original series and the batman cartoon was almost a lot like the Adam West, Burt Ward version of Batman, you know, just kind of... Yeah, kinda... just a little less campy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you make a cartoon and make it less campy than the live action. Right? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with one that's really obscure, just because, and I didn't even remember it until I was researching and I saw it. But I don't know if you remember 1963's uh, Deputy Dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, uh, Terry Toons was the name of the company that made this. And it was a silly little cartoon that I remember watching when I was getting ready for school. And uh, th- there's not really a lot to say about it. Like I said, it's just a silly little cartoon. But uh, it has some stupid characters on it like Musky Muskrat, Possible Possum. That, My, that wasn't Hanna-Barbera? No, it was Terry oh, Tunes. Okay. Yeah, my grandfather used to get a kick out of it because he he would be sitting there watching it with me, and and he'd start going, "It's possible, it's possible." <laughs> <laughs> so, that's pretty much all I remember about it. Was, was, was oh wow, that's yeah. triggering some synapses that haven't fired in about forty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, like I said, you know, I, I I just went to Google and pulled up sixties and seventies cartoons to kind of jog my memory and and to make this list. And I saw that, and hey, I remember watching that. I don't remember anything about it other than it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> but I remember watching that cartoon, so so I wanted to put it on my list. So. Okay. Yeah, I saw I saw a bunch of things that that di- didn't make the cut, but uh, things like Touche Turtle and and Top Cat and uh, oh, there were there were the Secret Squirrel and Adam Ant. And, oh um, yeah, I remember Adam Ant. Yeah. Yeah. Up oh, and Adam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. And, that's all I had to say about that. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, my next one is, this is one that surprised me uh, because I thought it was a lot older because it seems, it, it seems like it's been around forever and everybody knows this cartoon. But did you know that Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, which is the first where Scooby-Doo began, came out in 1969? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, and, I and thought it, it was a lot older. Yeah, um, and it only that that cartoon only lasted two seasons, I think. Well, yeah, and then they and then they, they tur- started putting you know they turned it into something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was that's the one I liked the best. That's yeah. the one where it was just you know the mystery of the week, and it was always old man Smithers wearing a mask, and and uh, uh, you know we would have got away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Um, I liked it because it was honest and it, 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 all of the versions of Scooby-Doo that followed seemed a little too self-aware. There was always a gimmick to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, once they got into, and of course I watched them all because I was a kid and that was all that was on. Yeah. Was, you know, once they got into Scooby-Doo meets Adam and Cost- Abbott and Costello and Scooby-Doo meets the Harlem Globetrotters and La- Laurel and Hardy and the Adams you know, family, the Adams yeah. family. <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. Uh, where they finally lost me was the advent of Scrappy-Doo. I hated that little bastard so much. <laughs> oh, and then his idiot cousin, uh, oh, I don't even remember the name of that one. The, yeah, I know what you're talking about, the, the country bumpkin uh-huh. Scooby or something, yeah. But Scooby-Doo, where are you? Aside from just being fun and being silly, uh, it all and that was definitely Hanna-Barbera. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It also taught critical thinking. And that was one of the things that when they did some of the the the, t, uh, the uh, animated Scooby Doo movies back in the nineties, oh, they're really, still making those. Yeah, yeah. But they really pissed. There was one uh, Scooby Doo and Zombie Island or something like that. Yeah. And it was really zombies. Yeah. And that was so not what Scooby Doo was always about. Scooby Doo was always there's some real explanation to this so-called supernatural stuff going on. And once they made the ghosts real, once they made the zombies real, to me, they lost the essence of what Scooby-Doo is about. Yeah, I think that they're, that they've more recently in some of the newer films, they've kind of gone back to that, but they're still, they're making them as movies, which they don't need to be movies. Cause when they're, when they're making a full length hour and 10, 20 minute, film of scooby-doo there, there's a, so much padding in there that mm-hmm. doesn't need to be there that it just makes it unbearable for an adult to watch anyway you know yeah. the last one that i watched was uh scooby-doo meets kiss or oh, something God. like that but yeah there was i've seen clips of that i don't know yeah. if i could sit through the whole thing because it's I, I don't know what they were what they were dropping when they did that show uh, the whole the whole um the whole deal with Shaggy and Scooby getting into uh, predicaments and, and things like that was funny, but it's not funny when it happens 15 times. You know, they get into a situation, they get saved, then they go off, then they separate again, and they get into another situation, they get saved, and we're just doing that to fill time for a film. Yeah. But but they but what I was uh, what I was going for was to say that they're not um, doing as much of the they're really ghosts or they're really zombies. They're going back to a little more of the, you know, this old man Smithers dressed mm-hmm. up as this ghost or whatever. Um, have you but, seen mystery incorporated? The, I don't think, no, I don't think so. It's a new Scooby-Doo cartoon. Um, I guess, well, relatively new. Uh, and suddenly all the characters are, uh, kids with parents and they have like full names and uh, it, remember when I was talking about Danger Mouse on the on the the last show? Yeah. And we were talking about how there's a new Danger Mouse, but it's so self aware and so self referential that it's really annoying. Yeah. I found the same thing with the new Scooby Doo. I think it's called Mystery Incorporated or Mysteries Incorporated. That's, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, because and, and you know the kids watching it aren't going to get get this, so it's fine as a cartoon for them to watch. But I'm watching it and. Fred always has to make some overly elaborate trap. 
And yeah. Velma is always... Well, first of all, Velma is drawn way sexier than she ever used to be. <laughs> Not that I have a problem with that. Uh, I was unaware how attracted I was to Velma until recently seeing some cosplayers. I went, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't remember uh, her skirt being that short. but <laughs> uh, Well, yeah. Uh, so that's where the glasses thing came from. Cool. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, it's just it's constantly riffing on the original Scooby in ways that kids aren't going to get but adults you know once or twice was fine but it's like every episode they're doing it yeah and at the end of every episode instead of you meddling kids they they start to say it and then somehow change it a little bit which again was funny the first time yeah after the fifth time it's like all right let's let's find a different shtick shall we <laughs> um, but I really, you know, I loved the original Scooby-Doo. I, I have trouble watching the newer ones just because some of the voices just aren't, you know. Casey Kasem will never be replaced. And yeah. people keep trying to do Shaggy as a as a stoner, which... Yeah, they tried to do that in the movies. Yeah. Without, without coming out and really saying it, there was a couple of jokes in there that kind of insinuated that he was a stoner. But, you know, he was, he was a beatnik, you know. He wasn't exactly. a stoner. Yeah. The, you know who did it right? <laughs> this is going to sound really bizarre. Did you ever see Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Yeah. That one bit with the with the Scooby gang that really, they oh, yeah, say yeah, they yeah. were the Scooby gang, but right. <laughs> Kevin Smith nailed it. <laughs> it was perfect. But yeah. it was only like a five-minute bit, and then, the, and then they were gone. And it was that, that was beautiful. Making a whole series out of making fun of the original series, it, it I can't take it anymore. But Yeah. Now, when I was a kid in the 80s, we had, uh, of course, we had the original Scooby-Doo that we watched pretty much in the afternoons after school and stuff like that, and the Scooby-Doo movies where they would meet Don Knotts and Gary Coleman Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, but then we also had a pup named Scooby-Doo, which was, in the 80s, a modern take on Scooby-Doo with the whole gang as little kids, not little kids, but, you know, pre pre-teenage years back in the muppet babies era yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 scooby was a puppy and it was a ridiculous show but i remember it being fun to watch you know it was it wasn't like watching the original scooby because it was a little more um it was a little more like uh they're trying to solve the case of the missing lunch money and you know stuff <laughs> that, that kind of that kind of thing you know but but uh but i remember there was a character on there that they always Fred always thought it was this guy that was doing whatever it was that was being done in that episode, and the kid's name was Red Herring. Okay. <laughs> so, so they would, so uh, so Fred was like, "I know who did it. It was Red Herring." And then he would have this elaborate uh, plan that was the reason that Red Herring was doing it. And of course, it it was never him. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and a, and a n- another funny side note to a pup named Scooby Doo is that Casey Kasem did Shaggy's voice, even though he's supposed to be a twelve year old kid. Because <laughs> I think Casey Kasem had in his contract that nobody can do Shaggy's voice except for him, you know, until until he retired or or died or whatever, you know. So so nobody played Shag- did Shaggy until in the cartoons until the uh, the last. It may be the one that you were just talking about, but I think there was another one right before that that came out in like 03, 04, around the time that the movies were coming out. I think that was the first time that Casey Kasem didn't do his voice. You know, so I'm gonna, I want to bring up, um, this is not a cartoon, 
but it is Saturday morning. It was uh, Land of the Lost from 1974. Oh, that was another one that uh, my brother and I used to argue about all the time. <laughs> that you didn't want to watch it or that you did? <laughs> I did, no, he wanted to watch Land of the Lost. I don't, again, I don't remember what was on opposite, but, yeah. uh, you know, I look from a nostalgic point of view now, I get a kick out of Land of the Lost, but at the time, I hated it just because there was something else I wanted to watch more, and my brother and I, we had to share the TV. Yeah, (laughs) right. That's what my brother and I, uh, my dad came up with this uh, concept of every Saturday morning, like, uh, this Saturday morning is going to be Sean's Saturday. He gets to pick all the cartoons. Next Saturday is Joey's Saturday. He gets to pick all the cartoons. You know, so oh, we did course, that. We just, of course we would mi- we would miss episodes of our shows and stuff doing that, but it, it kept us from fighting over who was going to watch what. You know, well we we did that too, but it didn't keep us from fighting, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, if one of us fell asleep because you know you're getting up at five o'clock in the morning to watch cartoons, yeah. <laughs> if one of us fell asleep, the other one changed the channel, and then there was a there was a fight when they woke up. <laughs> but um. Land of the Lost had a ridiculous premise and it had horrible special effects, <laughs> you know. Horrible. But we have to remember that uh, there was a time when Doctor Who had some outrageous stories and some bad special effects, you know. So, but it was not really a time travel show, even though there were dinosaurs there. There were there were two moons in the sky, so it was like they were in another dimension. And this man by the name of um, Marshall. Uh, Marshall. That was his last name. His first name was Rick. I think Rick Marshall. And uh, he went, he and his kids were going on a routine expedition, <laughs> and they went over a waterfall. After the greatest earthquake ever known. Absolutely. And the, <laughs> like the earth opened up and swallowed them, and they went into they went into the land of the lost. And But Spencer Milligan is the name of the guy that played Rick Marshall, the dad. And he left the show uh, late in the series, I think in the last season because he had a dispute with uh, the showrunners over merchandising money and his likeness and stuff like that so when they had the season premiere of the last season the two kids were waiting for their dad to come out of some cave that they were exploring or something they heard a noise they turned around and they saw their dad from behind and it was a different guy wearing a really bad wig (laughs) (laughs) and uh and he got, he just like disappeared. Like he supposedly got transported somewhere else. Like he went home or something. So they're all bummed out because, oh, dad's gone. We're here all by ourselves. And then like the same day, they happened to run into their uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he he was accidentally sent there, you know, and he, he had been looking for him since they were missing. But, uh, Nothing. It wasn't a big a big deal for Saturday morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's we're gonna replace. It was the worst replacing a character. Instead of just having a different person play the same character, we're gonna replace them with their uncle. You know, but nothing they did on that show was as awful as what they did with the movie. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I and you know, I was I was excited about going to see the movie. I took my kids to see it, and it was rated PG thirteen, and they dropped an f bomb in it, and it really, it really upset me. But um. Because when when they announced that they were making this movie, and even though Will Ferrell was in it, I didn't realize that they were going to do this spoof. I thought that they were actually going to be doing Land of the Lost. I thought that, well, maybe Will Ferrell is actually going to play a regular person, you know, instead of this wild Talladega Nights character or whatever, you know. But no, they just they went for the the toilet humor and everything, and mm-hmm. kind of ruined it for me. But 
And Leonard Nimoy was in that movie too. Oh, really? <laughs> what well, his voice was? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, he he voiced one of the aliens, uh, and I, I think he had two two lines <laughs> in the whole thing. But uh, now, but one thing that Kevin Smith did that I was embarrassed that I didn't catch it was again Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Will Ferrell's character? Did you did you you did yeah. you see Jay and Silent Bob? Yeah, I did. Okay. Did did you catch Will uh, the, the his his name? I I mean I I know now, oh, okay. but I, at the time it it, it went past me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was uh, he he was uh, he was a uh, uh, he was a marshal and his last name was actually Will and Holly, right? Yeah, <laughs> so he was, <laughs> he was Marshall Marshall Will and Holly. Holly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch it when I saw that, but then I think I was watching the um, the director's commentary that that's and, where i got it too yeah, yeah and then they, they started singing that song or something oh yeah land of the lost Ke- yeah. you know folks if if you are a fan of kevin smith movies but you don't regularly watch the directors use the director's commentaries on dvds you gotta kevin smith does the best director's commentaries ever oh yeah the dogma one is the greatest I think. yeah i used to take his director's commentaries and put them on my mp3 player and oh, listen yeah. to them like they were a podcast yeah oh yeah uh, but yeah. before there were podcasts i would i would record them onto cassette tapes and listen to them in my car on long drives yeah he got into a little bit of a snafu with uh one of his i think it was clerks 2 when clerks 2 came out because he recorded a podcast that was an audio commentary for that film while the film was still in theaters and he was urging people to download the podcast and go to the theater and listen to it while they're watching the movie. And the, and the movie theaters didn't like that. They didn't like everybody bringing their MP3 players in and li- having the earbuds in while they, while the movie was going. But yeah. that's Kevin Smith. You know, yeah. he's always trying to, trying to break trends and stuff. But <laughs> I don't always like his movies, but I love the man. Yeah. Yeah. That land of the lost was all, it was made by the same company that did HR puffin. HR Huffin stuff, Huffin stuff or Puffin stuff? Puffin stuff. Yeah, yeah stuff. it was uh, Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I loved, the, I love the the Land of the Lost. I, the the Slee Stack were were just so awesomely bad, bad guys. Yeah. yeah. The, the the horrible claymation or uh, stop motion dinosaurs, the terrible green screening. There was just nothing good about that show. Although, and and I could say this without being a creeper because we're talking about me at the time. <laughs> I thought Holly was really cute. Yeah. Yeah, and they, now they did a, um, when I was a teenager, they did a remake of Land of the Lost, and they had a uh, cavewoman character on that show that was basically wearing like an animal skin bikini all the time, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed her. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead with your next pick. All right, well, we finally come to the right time point in history for, in my opinion, the greatest Saturday morning cartoon ever made, Star Trek the Animated Series. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um, I know it catches a lot of flack for not being the best incarnation of Star Trek. Okay, I'll grant you that. Uh, Some of the episodes are really, really bad. Uh, It has with the exception of yesteryear been pretty much removed from canon gene roddenberry himself said he didn't consider it to be canon um i know we trekkers tend to be a little more obsessed with canon than we should be yeah uh (laughs) i you know i i i am as guilty of that as anyone and i wish i couldn't be i wish i could let go of that because i i can't read the novels i 
with the exception of Star Trek Continues, have a lot of trouble with uh, with watching fan films and stuff like that. Because to me, it's not real. Yeah. And hear the quotes around the word real. Um, William Shatner tries to claim that his novels are canon, but oh, no, I'm Bill, sorry. they're not. <laughs> they're I'm not sorry. canon. <laughs> I'm so sick of him. Captain <laughs> Kirk Captain Kirk did not become a Borg. <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> the animated series, uh, you know, Star Trek was canceled. The original series was canceled after three seasons. Uh, in 1969 was its last season. Uh, and then in 1974, uh, Gene Roddenberry got an animated series made. And they got back all of the main cast, uh, Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, DeForest Kelly, Michelle Nichols, Jimmy Doohan, and George Takei all came back for the show. Uh, Walter Koenig would have, but they didn't couldn't afford him or it wasn't that they couldn't afford him they had to cut somebody and uh they were looking at either Takei or or uh Koenig Nimoy basically said if Takei doesn't come back I'm not coming back and so he got it and Koenig got, Koenig got the cut uh but he was they threw him a bone they let him write an episode or two oh okay um pretty much if you watch the show, Nichelle Nichols and Majel Barrett do almost all of the women, <laughs> yeah. with a couple of rare exceptions. Uh, any non-main crew man is usually Jimmy Doohan. Um, I think for a Saturday morning cartoon, they dealt with some pretty adult topics. The writers came at it from the standpoint of, this is Star Trek. Yes, we're writing for a Saturday morning you know, audience of, of children, but we're still going to write Star Trek stories. And a lot of them are really good, especially, uh, yesteryear, the one where Spock goes back in time yeah. through the garden of guardian of forever to, uh, save himself. <laughs> um, you know, yes, there are some absolutely ludicrous ones. The, the 50 foot tall Spock, the, the one where they get shrunk down to three inches tall, get turned into children, uh, which is why when Rascals ever comes up in the rotation of TNG, I just kind of grin and bear it. <laughs> <laughs> Could be um, worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, you know, I rewatched the series last year because uh, 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 keeping up with the uh, another podcast I'm listening to that's a, a show-by-show review of, of Star Trek. Uh, the right, Mission yeah. Log, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I found that certain aspects of the show were much more familiar to me than I had any idea. Uh, the music, they Roddenberry didn't want to pay Alexander Courage to use his music. So they had their, their own theme. And when I started hearing it, it really hit me viscerally. I had forgotten how much that, how much that music said Star Trek to me as well as the, the quote-unquote real Star Trek music. Mm-hmm. Um, they also really took advantage of the animated nature of the show by creating... Uh, there was an uh, They replaced Chekhov with a three-armed alien named Arex. Uh, we had a, 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 a Catwoman uh, communications officer, Lieutenant Mress. Now, that, that, that character... 
I don't know if I know you said you'd never read any of the novels, but there was a novel series that came out about the time that Next Generation was going off. Uh, that was the the new voyages that Peter David started. Mm-hmm. That was it was basically he was making a crew that was only going to be in the novels. They weren't in the they had like their series was the novels. Yeah, and uh, that character is one of the main characters in that novel series. She was awesome, and and yeah. I, I I have read some of the novels. It okay. just as I as I got older, it became harder to deal with. Especially because some of them are just really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Peter some of them David are really, really good. Yeah, Peter David usually writes some pretty good ones. Yeah, uh, Enterprise was one of the best books I ever read. Uh, if you ever read that novel, it was about the first voyage of the Enterprise. Um, but again, they're not... It's... you know, A lot of what happens in the books are later contradicted oh, in, yeah, yeah. in TV or movies or whatever. Um, and I have, pro- I have a problem with that. I wish I couldn't. I wish I could disconnect and just enjoy, but I can't. Um. So yeah, Star Trek the animated series. If you are a Star Trek fan and you've never watched the animated series, you owe it to yourself to watch it. Uh, the, yeah, you know, like I said, there's some there's some crap, but there's some really really fine moments in the in the series, and it's worth watching. Yeah, I had a couple of notes about it too. Uh, it was uh, again, it was filmation, but yeah, <laughs> Rod, Rod, yeah, Roddenberry was the executive producer, but. Filmation wanted to pay him to go away because they wanted to make people <laughs> yeah they wanted to make a show that was about the crew when they were cadets and they were still at the academy and stuff and he didn't want to do that he wanted to do a continuation of his series that he would that he had already done yeah and uh, so eventually he got his way Filmation turned their idea into something else later on and it's worth noting that there was a writer strike in '73 but it didn't apply to animation. So they were able to benefit from having some of the writers, especially some of the writers that had written scripts for the original series, come and do these scripts, like DC Fontana and David uh, Gerald, mm-hmm. you know, and they brought back things, like you said, The Guardian of Forever, they did a Tribbles episode, and it's the first Star Trek series to get an Emmy, yeah. because they won for the episode How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth. So, yeah, I, I, and when I was a kid, I did not know that the animated series existed until I was probably... I don't know, 10, something like that. And they started showing it on like Saturday afternoons on Nickelodeon. And it came on one day and I was like, oh, they, they're making a cartoon of Star Trek. And of course it's 12 <laughs> years after, after it was made, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, and look on the credits, it's William Shatner, it's Leonard Nimoy. They're actually doing their voices. That's pretty cool. But yeah, my, my brother and I used to, that one was one of the, sh- one of the few shows we agreed on. We watched that <laughs> religiously. And and we to this day I could go up to him and and go, assistance is offered, and he'll know what I'm talking about <laughs> from, from the episode Bem or uh, one of our favorite cringe worthy moments was Kirk to Entity. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I, I you got to watch it. You got to watch if you're a Star Trek fan. You got to watch the animated yeah. series. It's just that's it. Do it. Your assignment. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring up uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Mm. It wasn't really like a, a series. I mean, they, I mean, it was a series, but it was just like these little vignettes that came on. Uh, they were about five, six minutes long. But I bet you can sing every one of them with just a I, couple of notes prompting. Yeah, I can't <laughs> sing every. I, there are four or five of them that that kind of get stuck in your head. But they, you know, they kind of focused on uh, teaching grammar rules and. 
science, politics, and health, and things like that. But and math, there was, there was yeah, there was the, yeah, there the were math, math ones, ones counting. And at the time, I thought they were, I thought they were pretty cheesy when I was actually watching them, and I was just kind of waiting for them to be over so I could watch the show that was coming on after it went off. But when you go back and watch some of them on YouTube. Some of the animation was was pretty interesting, and then as corny as I thought they were at the time, you didn't realize that you were actually learning something because yeah. I still sing uh, Mr. Morton and Conjunction Junction sometimes when I'm trying <laughs> when I'm trying to remember grammar rules and and the one about how the bill gets turned into a law. I'm I think yeah, I think that should yeah. be viewed by every kid that takes a government uh, government class in high school. But <laughs> I, I can I can sing you the preamble to the Constitution <laughs> because of that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the electricity, electricity <laughs> teaches you all about, you know, all about. And they did a, um, they did an album in the nineties. Yeah, I was just gonna say that I used to have the CD. I don't know what happened to it. I wish I still had it. Yeah, it was like 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 modern day um, singers doing mm-hmm. the songs like uh, Skilo, which was a rapper in the nineties, uh, did Mr. Morton, you know, things mm-hmm. like that, and. But it, they don't really hold up to the scrutiny of today's kids with stuff with the stuff that they have available to them. But nostalgia has led to a lot of remakes, and some bands like to cover the songs. There's been theater productions that have been put together based on the the, the skits, and I've been known to pull them up on YouTube if I think that they'll go well with something that my kids are studying in school. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like watch this. This will this will teach you exactly what you're what you're trying to learn. You know? <laughs> and then they're like, no, it's not teaching me anything. That, <laughs> you know? but yeah, Schoolhouse Rock. And it started in '73 and it had to have lasted well into the into the '90s because I remember seeing them. Even of course they may have been just rerunning them over and over and over, but. You have okay. another one on your list, yeah? All right, yeah the the um, the last one I have on my list, and then I, I have an, an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, but uh, the last one, I've also got some saved for later shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh the yeah. Second, There's plenty. The second uh, second string. Um, and this one is, I I don't have a date for it because I can't remember a time when I didn't know about it when I didn't watch it and it was it, it, it was produced over such a long swath of time uh, and that's Looney Tunes oh yeah you know Bugs Bunny I don't I don't know if it's quite so much now with the with the, the, the internet and, and everyone can watch everything anytime uh, but for a long part of my life the question are you Disney or are you Looney Tunes was <laughs> an, was a legitimate question and I was always Looney Tunes, uh, you know. I to this day I still have never watched Snow White or uh, or uh, Cinderella or you know a whole bunch of classic Disney films I've never seen all the way through. Yeah, but I can quote Bugs Bunny <laughs> like nobody's <laughs> business. Um, uh, I I know we try to keep this a family show, and I'm not going to say bad words here, but one of my greatest. Bugs Bunny memories <laughs> was back when I was in school. My friend Jeff and I were, um, let's say we had the afternoon off and his parents weren't around and we were indulging in a little of um, <laughs> South little American greenery. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we sat down on his couch and we turned on the TV just in time for What's Opera Doc to start. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, <laughs> that was better than a bowl full of Doritos 
and two pints of Ben and Jerry's. It was like, (laughs) this was freaking awesome. You know, that was my first introduction to Wagner. And then, you know, you've got uh, the the, the Rabbit of Seville. Uh, Right, yeah, yeah. You know, (laughs) and, and... How do you explain Bugs Bunny? Does anyone not know who Bugs Bunny is? Uh, If they don't, (laughs) just go to YouTube, put in Bugs Bunny, you can get educated. (laughs) You know, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Elmer Fudd, Yosemite Sam, Sylvester and Tweety and Foghorn Leghorn and the Chicken Hawk and all of these characters and all of them voiced by one guy. Yeah, pretty much. He pretty much did all of them. Mel Mel Blanc was a genius. Yeah. Uh, and the day he died was one of the saddest moments of my life. And I don't know if you ever saw. I don't know if they're still around. There were Warner Brothers stores. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in no, I don't think they're around anymore, but I remember them in the '90s. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think all that's left of that trend are the Dis- Disney still has their stores in some malls, but there were Warner Brothers stores too, which were. I, that was my idea of a heavenly store to go into, and just there was Warner Brothers stuff everywhere. Um, but they had this print, and it was one of those, you know signed limited edition you know framed $400 prints but it was oh, and it, it chokes me up just thinking about it it was all of the characters it was Bugs and Daffy and Porky Pig and all you know all of them standing looking down with solemn faces and off to the to the uh, right of them was a microphone in a spotlight just and nobody, just, nobody standing there. Yeah, I remember. Nobody standing that. there. Yeah. And man, I remember the first time I saw that. It was like a punch in the gut. Yeah. Um, you know, the only the only thing that compares is when Jim Henson died, yeah. because it, the, Henson was harsh was harder because he was so young. Mel Blanc was you know in his eighties when he passed away, which was, you know, it, 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 sad but not a tragedy. Uh, but it's still. When someone who is who has done so much for so many, you know, people of my gen- people are still watching Bugs Bunny. You know, Looney Tunes is still all over the place. Uh, and then there were Tiny Tunes and Animaniacs that all branched off from that. Um, I I would have loved to put Looney Tunes a little higher up in my in my my list, but. Looney Tunes has always sort of been like this background. You know, it's like, it's always been there. It will always be there. I will never not want to watch it. But when you, when I think about what are my favorite shows, I guess because it's so familiar and it's so omnipresent, uh, other things sort of rise up ahead of it Mm -hmm. because I know bugs will always be there for me. In fact, (laughs) in fact, oh wow, I'd completely forgotten about this. I still remember the day that I realized that Bugs Bunny wasn't real and that I couldn't possibly meet him. <laughs> and that was a very sad day for me. Because I, I was did, thinking about... I, I, I did meet to, him. Huh? I, I did meet him. I met him at Six Flags. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah. My, 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 I'm going to wrap it up with my, my top stuff there with, with Looney Tunes. Yeah, some of the, I mean the, the the cartoons have been repackaged over and over as different series. I think they had the 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 Bugs Bunny show and they had the Roadrunner show and the Sylvester yep. and Tweety show, and uh, some of them 
like you know, Speedy Gonzalez is kind of a racial stereotype, so they don't really run those cartoons yeah, anymore. So you know? <laughs> 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 Stuff like that, and 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 some of them were very much of their time because uh, the some of these cartoons were made to run before feature films in the 30s and 40s. Oh yeah, and so there would there would be cartoons where they would show caricatures of movie stars from the time. Uh huh. You know, and kids watching it today wouldn't have a, a clue who they were supposed to be, you know, or get the jokes that they were telling. Oh, there's but, some great Bugs Bunny messing with Hitler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did like a marathon one t- several years ago. My son was very young, and Cartoon Network, or Boomerang, I think it was Boomerang, was doing like a marathon of almost every Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies cartoon ever for like a whole week. And uh, some of them were, I had never seen them before. I'd never heard of them before. And they were very strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was some where, you know, it was about these uh, gremlins messing with airplanes during World War Two and stuff. And Hitler was in that. And all, yeah, it was, it was very, very weird. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Bugs Bunny. If you is, go back a little too far, then you start getting into some really horribly racist stuff too. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, w- I wouldn't recommend heading, you know, going back <laughs> all yeah. the way. But yeah, once you start getting into some of the black and white stuff, you're you're getting pretty close to <laughs> to the <laughs> the origins. <laughs> but I had uh, one or two more. I wanted. To, I'll well, I'll do one more, and then I'll do. I'll have an honorable mention as well. But um, I don't know if you remember from 1963. This is one that I didn't know was from the 60s when I was watching it because it was the mid 80s when I actually saw it, but it was The Mighty Hercules. Oh, I think I watched it, yeah. Didn't you yeah. have some sort of, like, idiot friend? Yeah, well, they were, like, five-minute-long cartoons, which were perfect for a little kid, but they would show, you know, like, five or six of them in a 30-minute time span. Yeah. And um, and it was kind of a precursor to, to He-Man. Hercules was this strong man that would come in and save people. He lived on Mount Olympus with the gods and... Didn't he throw Vill- lightning bolts or? He had a magic ring. Oh that, right. Yeah, he put on a magic ring and it would give him his super strength. And he had a sidekick that was a centaur. Right. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching this. I don't even. I must have not even been old enough to be in school yet because I remember staying at like a babysitter's house and it it was on in the mornings. But um, it was probably already seventeen or eighteen years old before I. I saw it, but yeah, it was the it was the Mighty Hercules, and I never could understand because the stories that I'd always heard of Hercules was that he was he was strong already. I didn't understand why he had to put a ring on to be strong. <laughs> well, that was that like, that's yeah. like a, like what I was talking about with oh no, that was on the other show. Um, a lot of superheroes had some sort of external thing. Yeah, uh, there was Underdog had his super energy pill. Um, there was a show called. Uh, Samson and Goliath. I don't know if you ever saw that one, where Samson was just this dude and he had a dog, but when when stuff got real, he would he had these metal bracelets and he would he would cross his arms over his head and click the bracelets together and he would turn into the mighty Samson and then he would <laughs> he would slap his hands together and it would send out these rays and turn his dog into this giant lion Goliath. <laughs> Uh, you know, very, you know, this is where He-Man got the idea. I yeah. Think. Um, yeah, it's kind of like Popeye had to eat the spinach. Exactly. To be, to there was something and... that they did 
that would turn them super for a little while. Yeah, I guess that that was about the time that we were getting like Captain Marvel because he had mm-hmm. to say Shazam to become to become Captain Marvel. Which that always confused me too. Why does he have to say Shazam? His name's not Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I remember Hercules. there was a comic book I had, and I don't even remember the name of the group, but I they they were these four or five guys or people. I don't remember if there was a, a, any women, but they had this circle on the the uh, the, the left side of their uniform. On the on the chest, like where where uh, Star Trek keeps their com badge. Yeah, and they would they would all touch that and transform into superheroes. It's like this <laughs> glowing disc on their on their chest. Honorable mention, um, I was, the, the Flintstones. You know, obviously is it was a it wasn't really made for kids originally. It was a primetime cartoon, kind of like the what the Simpsons are now and mm-hmm. Family Guy that kind of stuff. And I was watching it in the 80s and reruns and stuff. I, I think I used to like all the little gags with dinosaurs being used as appliances and things. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Which they they did again on, like, the Jetsons, but making it more futuristic and, and stuff. But um, it was like, back in the 70s and 80s especially, they had to make a cartoon version of a lot of popular sitcoms and things like that. And I think the Flintstones... The Flintstones was kind of like a cartoon version of the Honeymooners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know why they didn't just name them the same characters <laughs> as the Honeymooners, because they were basically the same characters. You know, well, they probably didn't want to have to pay Jackie Gleason. That'd be yeah, like, no sense of humor off stage. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I wanted to bring that up as an honorable mention, and, and we mentioned, uh, we've mentioned before about the. Uh, the Winston cigarette ad. Yeah. You can pull it up on YouTube, but if you grew up watching the the Flintstones and you watched that Winston cigarette ad, it's disturbing because you're sitting there watching Fred and Barney and they're trying to, <laughs> they're trying to hide from Wilma and Betty because they're wanting them to do housework or something. So, and they're sitting in the backyard, leaning up against a tree and they're just sitting there smoking cigarettes, talking about how smooth and delicious the Winston cigarette goes down your throat. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I smoked for over a decade and never once did I go, Hmm, this is yummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feel how smooth that is. You know, well, they used to have cigarette ads that had doctors telling you oh, yeah. that they're good for your throat and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's a reason the cigarette, the tobacco industry had to pay billions. Yeah. <laughs> You got um, any honorable mentions for us, or did you want to say yeah. anything about the Flintstones? Oh, well, I just... The, the Flintstones were kind of in the same category as, uh, like, the Brady Bunch for me, in that I never really liked the show, <laughs> but I didn't dislike it enough to not watch when it was on. Yeah. Because it's like, people will talk about the Brady Bunch, and I would never, in a million years, if someone asked me what shows did I like from the 70s, the Brady Bunch would not even make the list. But if you start rattling off plots, I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that one. I saw that one. Oh, yeah, I saw that one, too. I've seen the whole damn show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But again. It's like Andy Griffith with me, you know. I've seen all of them. (laughs) Yeah. We had, what, three choices? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, I watched a lot more Flintstones than I would have chosen were I I a kid today. There's a fan theory uh, that you you can find online. That is, is funny to think about, but it's basically it says that the Flintstones and the Jetsons were taking place in the same at the same time that it's like a post apocalyptic world or whatever, <laughs> and the the Jetsons live in the sky. You know, all their their houses are raised way up in the air, 
and the Flintstones are living down on the ground, and that's that's the reason that they have uh, that they use primitive things to do modern technology because they still remember having washing machines and stuff like that, but they they have like Stone Age versions of all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love it. I yeah, love it's, it. it's, and how does Gazoo funny. figure into that? Yeah, oh God, I forgot about Gazoo. <laughs> Did they did a, um, I know you've probably at least heard of the Flintstones movie that John Goodman and Rick Moranis did back in the 90s, but. Heard of it, yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, that, well, I was a, I was like maybe 14, 15 when it came out, so, you know, we, we went, we went to see it, and they, um, they did another one several years later that was like direct to video kind of thing, and I Wh- can't which even Which one remember. had Rosie O'Donnell as Betty? That was the first one. That okay. was the the Flintstones. Yeah, they did one called the Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas, that um, had like I think it had Stephen Baldwin playing Barney in it and stuff like that. But uh, I think Gazoo is in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think he shows up for one scene or something, just like a little sight gag or something. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't recall hating the Flintstones, but it was it was never a favorite of mine. Uh, so, like, when the movie came out, I, I wasn't interested. Yeah. <laughs> you got so, any honorable mentions? My, my honorable mention goes to a block of things, a block of shows, uh, because in the in the early 70s, kind of from about 73, I would guess, till about maybe 79, uh, maybe not quite that late, um, we got a bunch of live-action Saturday morning shows. And they were things like Shazam, yeah, uh, which was my introduction to Captain Marvel, Isis, which was my introduction to puberty, uh, <laughs> uh, Arc Two. Well, I, well, okay, Isis was a she was an uh, 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 an archaeologist who found a, a pendant that turned her into the goddess Isis, and she was she was a it was she was a, a superhero. Um, Arc 2, which was, uh, I think it was this post-apocalyptic world, or maybe a future, I don't know. Anyway, it was, Arc, the Arc 2 was this big van, this big futuristic van, and we had a group of young scientists who were traveling around the blasted Earth helping people. Um, and then the opposite end of that spectrum was Korg 70,000 BC, which was about a, a family of Neanderthals. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you, you, pro- you probably have never heard of most of this. Stuff. I've heard of a couple of them, yeah. Space Academy was great because it had Jimmy Doohan in it, yeah, as Cap Commander Carnarvon. Um, and then I think the the ultimate. And this had to be right around. See, if I was I was in sixth grade when it happened, because it was right when Kiss was hitting their peak. Um, let's see, sixth grade, so I would have been eleven, seventy four, so around seventy four, seventy five, something like that. The Croft Super Show. I've heard of that, yeah. With Captain Cool and the Kongs, who were <laughs> as close to a Kiss ripoff as their lawyers could get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was an anthology show. It was it was Captain Cool and the Kongs were this was this this glam rock band, uh, you know, kind of like the monkeys meet Kiss, um, but they were just sort of the 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 uh, the. The, the hosts of this show and they had several different short cartoons slash live action shows that were part of the Croft super show and they would rotate every week and they had things like uh, speed buggy and, and um, the shrinkies. Oh my God, the shrinkies. <laughs> um, but my favorite 
was Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. Now, of course, 11 years old, 12 years old, whatever, I'm starting to notice girls. Yeah. And and Electra Woman and Dinah Girl was this, I mean, even by Adam West standards, cheesy superhero pair. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking electric company level of <laughs> plot lines <laughs> and stuff. Right. Um, but Electra Woman was... Uh, you know, an actress probably in her in her late twenties, and Dinah Girl was my age, or maybe a little bit older, like you know, fourteen, fifteen, something like that. And of course, they're running around in tights, and I'm glued to the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I just wanted there was you know, and and we got things like uh, uh, the the Ghostbusters with Forrest Tucker. There was a, there was a lot of stunt casting for these things. You got uh, team ups of actors who had been in shows before. Like uh, the Ghostbusters, which we talked about on the 70s and 80s show. I'm sorry, the 80s and 90s show, which was Forrest Tucker and Larry Storch uh, and a gorilla (laughs) guy in a gorilla suit. Forrest Tucker and Larry Storch had been in F Troop uh, back in, you know, back in the before. We also had the Far Out Space Nuts, which had Alan Hale Jr. No, it wasn't because he was dead. But it was it was um, Bob Denver who played Gilligan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, and this other guy, and the 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 conceit of that show was there were a couple of janitors who were cleaning a rocket ship, and Bob Denver's character sits on the launch button, and they're shot off into space, and they're trying to get back to Earth, and they're having misadventures, and they had a monkey thing too that followed them or that went around with them, uh, you know they were all very formulaic, but when you're eight years old, who cares? Uh, yeah. It's it's just a lot of fun. So there was this a whole bunch of live action. TV shows that I loved in the seventies that if you look back on them now, they're really, really painful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the way I am with land of the lost. You know, I loved it. I loved it when it was on. I actually, I wasn't even really watching it was when it was on. I loved it when it was in reruns, but then they did a, a, uh, they do like a labor day marathon where they show them mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, it's painful. Especially the later seasons, because they just get like they didn't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just throwing stuff in there. But well, that's uh, that's all I've got. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, th- I've got more, but nothing we need to talk about tonight. <laughs> yeah, there's like I said, this is going to be a series because uh, the other people that participate on our show, they've all got cartoons that I'm sure they want to talk about. So over the next uh, few weeks, you know, we'll we'll revisit this topic several times i'm sure and go back and forth between 60s 70s 80s 90s may do some stuff about stuff that's on now all that kind of and i would like to go back and do just a show just an episode about toys you know that sounds like that sounds interesting because i remember i remember a lot of toys that uh <laughs> and like you said, should have killed us. Yeah, we should not still have all our fingers, both of our eyes, and still be alive. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, that's going to pretty much do it for this episode. If it's if this is your first time listening, or if you've been listening and you just want to find out more about us and about the show, come on over and visit us at our website at CosmicPotato.com. And, of course, you can reach us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Cosmic Potato and you'll find us. And you can email me directly at SeanRay at CosmicPotato.com. And that's S-H-A-W-N-W-R-A-Y. And let me know what you think of the show. And give me any ideas that you have for things that you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, or anything that you remember from the 60s and 70s that, uh, that you want to bring up. 
Uh, also, we've got a, a Patreon campaign going on right now. If you'd like to help us keep the show existing, you can uh, you can go to our website and you'll find links to our page on Patreon. We've got some cool incentives if you want to subscribe, like uh, being a guest host on, on an episode or helping us plan some episode topics or getting a special episode made just for Patreon subscribers, things of that nature. And uh, You give enough, I'll come paint your deck. Yeah. I'll paint your whole house. <laughs> I won't do a very good job, but I'll do it. <laughs> but, Rick, thanks for being here tonight. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And, of course, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, because that's what it's all about. And uh, until next week, uh, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you in the future. I have the power! <laughs>